0: Thank <laughs> you. and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix bell Morgan, And once again, I am bringing you on a journey into exploration of the question, why horror? Where each week, myself and a different guest dive into this topic and try and unpick it and see if we can come up with some form of an answer. But um, this week, I am joined by a returning guest, Robert Clark of the creepy and geeky podcast and general brand. So before we jump into trying to unpack this question, can you just introduce yourself and just you know say something about your own kind of podcast and your work and your connection to horror?
1: Of course, yeah. I'm uh, I'm Robert Clark. Of course, like you said, um, also known as Geek Thulu on the uh, the interwebs, and uh, I uh, host uh, the Creepy and Geeky podcast, which is a double feature. Uh, movie podcast where I talk to guests mm-hmm. about a particular double feature and uh I have some fun with that. Usually horror, sometimes not. That's why it's creepy and geeky.
0: Brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Um and yes, I would encourage listeners to also seek out that podcast because it's a good ride. It's good fun. And I thank think you. my favorite thing about it, which I think I said to yourself when I had you on before is that I just love that you have your own kids for like conversations on it I just love that kind of connecting the generations to talk about genre and media I think it's really fun so yeah that's one of my favorite things um but yes and so the first kind of question that I like to kick off each of these episodes with because I think it's I'm always fascinated what each horror fan's answer is and so the first one and then it's kind of slight you know point a like an addendum to it but um what was the first horror film that you remember watching and then slightly different what was the horror film that kind of made you a fan of the genre sometimes it's the same film sometimes it's a different film so yeah i'm I'm interested for what those answers are for you
1: so (laughs) (laughs) this is where it's going to be a problem because i have a really terrible memory especially of anything regarding my childhood so I don't really remember what the first one I watched was. I remember growing up with Mm -hmm. horror films. uh, My parents were fairly um, uh, permissive about what we watched. Um, So, I mean, I grew up during the eighties slasher era and I, I, you know, I got to, you see all the Freddys and Jasons and everything else. So I can't really specifically, I remember seeing the, the, one of the earliest ones I know that I saw was the thing um in 1982 uh, mm. I actually saw that I, I have a vague memory of having seen that at a drive-in the year it came out so
0: nice I
1: would say I'd say that's pretty close but I was eight years old at the time so I may okay. have seen something earlier so then that I maybe remember
0: maybe a slight uh rewording of the question then which might be easier than what's the first horror film you remember actually having an impact on you then because like sometimes the first like a lot I say a lot of people might not remember the first film we've actually watched but then there's the horror film that stands out to us in our horror journey so is there one that jumps out at you when you're thinking on that question
1: I remember like I said I grew up watching a lot of the stuff I I don't I, I don't think I was a I, I would have never considered myself necessarily a horror fan mm. um up until most recently. I've always been a, an appreciator of the genre. I get you. Um and so it so I've had movies of course that I've loved uh mm-hmm. you know all over during that time period uh but I would say probably one of the earliest ones um that I can remember having a big enough impact on me was uh, the Lost Boys? Um, mm, and, good uh, film. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, w- how old was I? Was I then? I was thirteen when that came out.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so at that point, you know, I, I I had a black trench coat that I got my, my dad, and so I was walking around like. You know, thinking I was a badass, and I was just a freaking nerdy kid, and it was just dumb. But, no, <laughs> but in that way, it had it had a huge impact on me. So.
0: No, that's brilliant. But also, no, th- those childish delights, those childish joys, there's nothing dumb about them. That's I like that think That's really yeah. cool. And um, there is no such thing as dumb in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think as a slight tangent, but I think our heavily capitalist society wants us to squash those little joys and kind of yeah. stop us from having those delights so no there's no such thing as dumb if something gives you joy it's good
1: <laughs> Absolutely, That's my sense. i agree
0: <laughs> brilliant yes. there is no
1: such thing as a guilty pleasure yes
0: that is i that is a phrase that i loathe because again and this could be like it's like aren't you talking about heart? yeah sure <laughs> but um <laughs> like complete mini little like tangent but it's something i'm always talking about but To me, the topic of guilty pleasure stems from, you know, heavily kind of Christian societies that Mm -hmm. like, you know, put big emphasis on shame for, you know, you're supposed to feel repression and shame. So something that you take delight in and enjoy if it's in any way transgressive or considered not popular then all of right. a sudden it's something you're not supposed to actually admit to liking and it's like no fuck that noise yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely agree be, be loud and proud about what you, what you enjoy um brilliant but no thank you so actually stemming on from that because this is this is actually one that i think will be interesting because as you said for a long time you never kind of really like classify yourself as a horror fan more of as an appreciator but for yourself would you have like kind of personal criteria for what you would consider this is a horror film this is not like do you have kind of like thick lines or is it more kind of flux and
1: fluid yeah it's more Well, for me it just depends on the feeling that i get for that um i mean obviously there's stuff that's like you know marketed horror wise and stuff so i mean you (sighs) generally speaking, I think that most things are horror that are horror mm-hmm. that are, are meant to be that way. And there can be other things that, you know, have a feeling of horror that aren't necessarily horror. Mm-hmm. And there's also things that are market as horror that aren't really horror. And so it's kind of this weird, like little, you know, I, I, it, it, for me, I don't have, like, it's not something where I'm sitting there like, oh, it has to have a supernatural aspect or it has mm-hmm. to have a, a masked killer or something like that. I feel like, you know, there's, there's, fluidity in 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 it that you can uh that helps you I'm trying to like get that in my head correctly but uh yeah i i feel like it's more fluid than not and you know that's just my own personal you know take on it
0: yeah no cool i like that um um i'd kind of be very much the same i think it's very flux and fluid like you know i think you can't really pin it down and like also <laughs> like you know i'm very much i think in the you know, Mike Munzer, host of Evolution of Horror Camp, in the sense that I'm just like, we'll find a way to classify everything as a horror film. Like, you know, I'll be like, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, exactly. I'll be like, oh, that's, to- I'll find a reason to say it's a horror film. Like, I'm very much in that right. camp. Like, <laughs> and, and when some people are like, oh, yeah, that film, I like that film. Oh, yeah, it's a good horror film. They just look at me well, that's not the It It is our And I'll explain why,
1: right. because of one five-second scene. <laughs> it's like Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Come on. <laughs> exactly. I am. F- I will take no arguments on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, I am firmly in that camp in the same sense that I will say certain movies which objectively are probably not horror, in my eyes, very much horror. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then um, I think kind of stemming from that, because um, like you were saying that you know different people have their own kind of like and actually I, I'm interested in what like if you could even expand more on you said certain films are marketed as horror that aren't horror I want to know like do you have kind of any examples that jump out to you from that and the reason when you're ruminating on it the reason I'm wondering is because I think it's slightly linked to this question which I always find interesting as well like it's something you see a lot online on Twitter and also sometimes just talking to regular people in person, but there is, does seem to be this type of, like, line of thinking that someone will say, oh, X film wasn't a good horror film because I was not scared. And like, I think like it's interesting how you said oh certain films are marketed as horror when they aren't horror and that really like piqued my brain because like I want to know like do you think like does a horror film need to be scary to be considered an effective or good horror film
1: uh no because I would say 99 percent of the time most horror movies don't scare me Mm -hmm. so (laughs) like I haven't been scared by a horror movie in years um I can't remember the last time I actually got scared now creeped out sure Mm. but never really scared scared. yeah yeah and and like you know because the problem is most horror movies have certain tells um that and don't Mm. get me wrong i love when the i love when a movie will subvert those tells and will use it against the audience but even using those against the audience to uh twist something and to jump out you're still expecting it and so when Mm -hmm. things happen i guess i'm a little more attuned to it at this point because i've seen so many that i don't really jump i don't like nothing's really got me now don't get me wrong like i said i've been creeped out i've been unnerved Mm -hmm. uh but not scared um so i would say that no a a horror movie does not need to be scary at all to be effective Mm -hmm. Uh, it just has to be entertaining um the, the the worst thing a movie can do horror movie any movie is be boring um mm-hmm. and that to me is worse than trying to be scary i mean don't get me wrong i mean horror movies should try to be scary of course um but i think it's just my like i said i'm just so attuned to the the tells that it it takes a lot to get me you got to you got to really surprise me with something um mm-hmm. but uh but going back to it, i'm trying to think of a movie uh that was marketed as horror but wasn't really horror um that i've seen which i mean i can't i can't think of any off my off the top of my head i i haven't seen i haven't seen the movie but i've heard uh the movie lamb uh the most recent a24 movie um i heard i saw the marketing for that and that looks like a horror movie but apparently it's more of a uh folk tale um not mm. really horror so much as just kind of a, a, a just a unnerving a folktale uh, i so. get
0: you and i wonder as well if maybe that's like because of the fact that a24 as like a distributor of films right. has become so associated with ari aster and those type yeah. of like you know quote unquote oh, elevated yeah. <laughs> but you know yeah. those type of more visceral kind of modern horror films that people are almost thinking, oh, it's A24.
1: It's going to be horror. It's like that weird. Oh, kind of... I think A24 actually marketed it that way on purpose. Oh, they were okay. trying they were to market it as that. a horror movie. They were playing on expectations and to try to get people into the theater and to like kind of subvert those expectations, which I'm not I'm not again. Again, I'm not against that because you're getting the people in the seats and maybe getting them to watch something they may not have been you know willing to mm-hmm. watch if the marketing had been maybe more on the up and up so
0: i get you because
1: I, I heard you. it was still a good movie i just haven't i haven't seen it myself yet so
0: yeah no same haven't e- e- yet either and um, but it's like one of those films that is in my circles like yes I'm aware yeah. of so it will come up at some point because that stars Absolutely. the fantastic new Rapace and also has a creepy weird lamb child so what's not yeah. to what's not to like to see? out I mean, how is
1: that not horror <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly but again i think that literally reverts back to the what is a horror you know because right. it is so subversive and you know what could you know it doesn't necessarily have to be you know scary or you know just needs to elicit some form of a response from the viewer and I like kind of right. what what you say about like you know it needs to kind of be entertaining and that the worst thing a film can do is be boring because I'm very much in that camp as well like you know I'm definitely someone you know like again I you know, I say no to the guilty pleasure um phrase because like I hold my hand right. up and say I love like those schlocky, kind of trashy B movies, you know, like right. I love I love my ghost sharks, my killer sofas, all these type <laughs> of ridiculous films that are on paper objectively <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But they're just so much fun, you're having a fun time with it. Right. Like I'd rather have those films than a legitimate like attempt from like a filmmaker to do like a you know straight horror film that just doesn't do anything like the film that stands out to me as like a contrast for that is the third conjuring film the devil made me do it like Mm. that film just like i had no reaction like i just was just like deadpan i think it was yeah he, i could almost like watching it you could almost almost tell that james Vaughn was like just honing it in like he just didn't want to actually do another conjuring movie but he was just like right. the studio were like we want another one he was like fine but i'll only do it if you let me make malignant and i'm just like so yeah, yeah i'm glad that happened because i love malignant
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't seen the new conjuring um mostly because I'm I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure I'll get flack from people, but I don't find the conjuring universe very interesting in general. I've watched most of the movies, I watched them all up until the nun. Mm, um yeah. and then it just it's just left me kind of bored overall. And it's just not my wheelhouse, what I'm interested in overall. So yeah. I think that's uh um that's my my issue. But you know, going back to um what we we're saying, you know, for me, um, you know, horror isn't about the scares. Um, Mm -hmm. in general for me it's about pushing the boundaries and that's where horror does really well because you tack on horror is really good about taking a what would be a normal traditional story Mm -hmm. adding horror elements and pushing it to an extreme um, potential that um, sometimes you can do in regular mainstream films but I, I would say horror gets away with it a lot better um and by doing that you can um say something bigger and i'm not even saying you have to have a message or anything else like that mm-hmm. but just be subversive or transgressive in your own way uh so i think that you know it pushes those boundaries more and that's for me that's what horror is about is pushing boundaries not really scaring you know the, the having the scare factor
0: Re- oh, that's um that actually leads into one of my questions perfectly like so th- i'm really enjoying that like yes um, and <laughs> <laughs> i'm not at all going to contain my excitement Um but i really like what you say there about horrors about kind of like pushing boundaries and right. being transgressive and you know pushing things to the extreme because i want to know what you think about this because this is again one of those questions or topics that I'm always flip-flopping on, I never know where I land, and I'm always fascinated to hear other people's perspectives because it's such a divisive topic. But I want to know what you feel about like when it comes to like say the censorship and how that applies to mm-hmm. horror. Um, like would you say that there's a line on what is acceptable or isn't acceptable to be, you know, portrayed in like, you know, in horror cinema, or do you think that once we start saying this can be censored, this can't, it kind of opens up a can of worms that we don't really want to go down that road. I want to know what you think.
1: I think so, you know, I was, I was trying to, you know, I got your notes on this and trying to prepare (laughs) for it and and everything. So I think that, I think that, you know, in regards to censorship of certain things, like I think that um, like, especially like sexuality and stuff Mm. that we, that horror, um, will always be the last bastion where sexuality will still flourish. Um, Mainstream movies um, by and large have always been pretty, what I would say, PG 13. They only, they go up to a line and they stop. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear a lot of people complain that um, a lot of movies are very uh, sanitized and very asexual. Um, And, and, and I understand that to a degree, but they're trying to, appeal to the widest market that they can Mm. so i don't blame them for doing that like that's fine like you're like the marvel movies or or anything big or something like that yeah they're going to do the absolute like middle of the line thing they can do to uh, uh, appease the most viewers uh they want as many viewers as possible so they're not going to put in like you know boobs or whatever to you know to accommodate for something like that even something like you know um uh the deadpool movies they threw in like in the first deadpool movie they threw in some boobs in the in the strip club and everything but you know they obviously were marketing that towards that Mm r-rated crowd and they and they did successfully um but i think that horror movies because you know because i said they're always pushing the boundaries they're 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 achieving that more transgressive um they're trying to anyway, not all horror movies, obviously yes. we've got a spate of PG 13 level stuff, but, you know, when you get into, you know, the really hard R rated stuff, that's really kind of pushing things, you're going to get a little bit more of that sexuality. um, And we saw it, especially like in the eighties, um, you know, and it, and it always depends kind of on the, the times that we live in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, right now. I can see that coming back around again because of, you know, it was similar to what we were experiencing in the eighties with the, with the repressive um, uh, attitudes in, in uh, the U S and the UK. Mm -hmm. And so we're now in this, in this similar era. And I think that you can, I I don't think anybody's really pushing it right now. Um, Not that I've seen, but, but because there is, and, and I don't watch a lot of really independent stuff, but, uh there's because movies can be made so on the cheap now and distribution is fairly easy mm-hmm. um you can find that uh, a little bit more now and um on the on the real low level and i think that's great um because that means people are pushing those boundaries pushing that um against that and yes they're never going to be mainstream but i don't think they want to be mainstream as much as horror in a way became mainstream especially like in the 90s mm-hmm. um that we don't it still has this grimy feeling to it um and that and that's fine i like that i like that like that underground feeling to horror movies and genre in general that don't um that don't ascribe to it. and 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 i I'm, I'm a mainstream guy myself i love mainstream stuff i love marvel yeah. whatever but i love big dumb action flicks they're <laughs> some of my favorite things but you know, I love that horror movies exist out there for every taste. And that's what's great about that, too. You can't do that with the same. You can't make um big, dumb action flicks with lots of boobs and stuff like that nowadays. They're just not marketing for that. Now, mm-hmm. they want to really push that into every market around the world as much as possible. Whereas, you know, horror movies have always been super cheap to make and you you can put them on video and you can make a lot of money and now with streaming and everything else you can put them on youtube you can do anything you want and get all these viewers that you just couldn't have before and Mm -hmm. so i think that's good and um yeah so (laughs) i just checking my notes to make sure i hit all my topics
0: yeah no brilliant um yeah and actually that like overlapped with that other question which i had about you know it like because there does seem to be this mainstream almost sanitization of the media that we consume so i like how you also touched on both of those in the same time so very well done thank you Um, (laughs) gold star but (laughs)
1: thank you but no because i'm trying to earn my uh you know my repeat guest uh, a sticker there (laughs) yep
0: (laughs) being earned yes definitely um but yeah no because kind of actually Almost like in a way, looping back to that little brief tangent about you know a guilty pleasure and where that stems from, right? Like, I do think the kind of and it's something that I I, I never know which is feeding which whether society is feeding the kind of films and TV shows and the culture we're getting, the immediate, or if it's you know society's responding to what's being put out there i never really know like it's a very chicken and egg situation
1: i think it's a very ouroboros situation you know yeah. it's very much like you know that they're they're both in tandem they both respond to each other at the same time
0: yeah so, i think i don't think you can say especially which... in the
1: internet age
0: oh for sure and i think that's the big part of it is like in our like you said i do think we are in a very globally kind of almost repressive state of society and i think our media is reflecting that and a big part of that is down to the fact that so much of society and human connectivity is influenced by social media and these social media apps are run by Um, tech companies that are very much you can't be sexual you can't you know they basically limit any form of human expression and i think that is a big part of what's influencing the cycle of so much of our mass media being a lot more desexualized and sanitized. And again, yeah, I completely. I'm not going to blame or you know say it's a bad, a negative thing that these big companies, which are marketing to multiple markets and trying right. to get big distribution, that's ne- n- necessarily a bad thing that their films are kind of very stripped bare. But at the same time it does feel like across the board that we're getting less and less like you know sexy films and not films that necessarily have sex just films that have genuine good kind of human connection that kind of makes you kind of be like you responding to it going oh yeah these characters are into each other you can tell that if the camera wasn't rolling they'd be getting on and like I feel like we're getting less of that but I do think within horror to me at least it feels and maybe not the mainstream horror pictures like the big budget ones like you know the big halloweens or stuff like that like the tent poles like those ones are always separate but i think as in horror as a genre i do think it's maintaining that kind of like no no we're showing real humans just being put through fucked up situations yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely but, but yeah and actually kind of jumping from that and it's kind of overlaps with some of what you were saying as well but i want to know like what you think about the kind of like do you think that the concept of like the death of the author or kind of forward slash art versus artist like when it comes to horror films like do you feel that are horror filmmakers responsible for how a viewer reacts to what they're putting out in the world like you know or should you know should they be able to be accountable for something that they have put out in the sense that you know do you think they should have to stand over something they put out, or once out in the world how someone reacts to it, that's just down to each viewer. I want to know what you think about that
1: i think uh I think uh, any art um that is uh out there is always going to have both sides. I think that you know if you're you're going to have what the author or creator intended mm-hmm. um and then you're going to have what the audience themselves uh interprets mm-hmm. uh and so I think that there is there's a certain extent that i think i don't think the author is really i think the creator of whatever it is let me yep. see because I wrote this down <laughs> <laughs> um, so for example, you know we were talking about the early slashers and everything and and that that rise of puritanism in in culture mm-hmm. um led to a pushback. By horror movies to have lots of sex and sexuality in it to uh uh you know to like i said push back against that um but uh you know they but that was the interesting thing about it though too was the early slashers weren't about uh the uh, evils of sex and drugs, and that's why the they were being killed like all these kids were being killed or whatever it the they that was not the intent of the of the of the creators of these movies. They they, mm-hmm. they were not trying to have that statement, but that's what the statement became. And it's and later slashers definitely were making that point was, you know, if you if you were a bad person, if you smoked, drank, and had sex, you were gonna die, and you had to stay the virginal final girl, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that, and, and that's how that's how the audience perceived it, and that the it wasn't intended. Uh, So that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's where we get that disconnect. Um, But I don't think again, that um, let's see uh, what I said also was uh, the creator can use the art form to say what they want and the audience can enjoy it that way, but they can also see it in other ways, depending on their own experiences. Mm -hmm. So what we bring to the movie or, or, or art form also, um, I you know, the, the movie Christine is about a bullied kid or, or the story of Christine is about a bullied kid who gets a car that influences him negatively and he becomes this, you know, mean, evil kid and, and, uh, and all this. But that's, that's just the surface level of it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was listening to the Kingcast, uh, podcast mm-hmm. and they were talking to Brian Fuller about it and he had a, um, a trans perspective on Christine. That one I would have never uh, considered because I don't I don't have that queer perspective, but it was fascinating because I was like, wait, I had n- there's no way I would have ever mm-hmm. brought that to that. Never even would have thought mm-hmm. of that. So I think that's interesting that our own experiences can then cr- create a new experience on that story that was not intended by the uh, the the creator of either the book or the movie, and you know so i think there is a separation that has to happen mm-hmm. i do think that um uh so I, I mean i i believe art is subjective uh for everybody 100%. and yeah. so um no matter what the creator wants the creator can sit there and say this is what i this is what i'm saying about this this is what my story is about and the audience can go f you <laughs> this is what i say it is and and they and they can be completely valid uh, you know, so I, 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 I don't believe that the um, there, there's not. I don't think I don't think there's the death of the author because I do think that the author's perspective is valid, but I do think that the audience's perspectives are also valid.
0: So. Yes, I think I think like like what I what you're saying there is um really interesting. Like I do think there's so much of it is like almost. Two sides are in existence at the same time, almost. Oh, multiple you know? sides, yeah, multiple yeah. sides in opposition to each other, or in complement, you know, complementing each other. But it's all oh, happening at the same time. Like I do right. think it's really fascinating and interesting. And um, but there was a uh, something, yeah, what you mentioned actually about uh, what we bring to the films that we're, you know, to the art that we're, you know, engaging with. I think that's a really interesting topic that's I feel like it's something that's not actually focused on that much as in I think a lot of people are not aware of how much they are bringing to the yeah. art and the films they're engaging with and for me personally I think part of that is down to and this is like you know one of those like things that I'm you know the hill I shall die on but I think that philosophy and critical thinking should be a subject that's taught from the second someone's able to think like you know I think it's a really important big topic and I feel like a lot of people lack those skills because they haven't been nurtured so when it comes to watching films engaging with art they aren't aware of how much of their own history they're bringing to a film they're engaging with which can color their experience of it like so you know i think that's why and like it's a again it's a yin and yang type thing like because i do think that whatever someone's takeaway from a film i do think their experience of it is their own truth that is valid you know i can't say your experience is wrong like you know i can't tell someone you know if they say oh this
1: was i mean my... you can definitely read a movie wrong and get it get it completely get it completely wrong because i've seen plenty oh, of hot okay. takes on stuff that is just like no you're just completely wrong about that totally but, uh...
0: but i think that's a i think that's a nuanced difference i think there's yes. a difference between how someone experiences a film and how someone reads a film and i think that's something right. and again it's circles back to a lot of people are lacking those critical thinking skills as on right, a broader exactly. societal and basis. Cause I think how someone engages with a film on, from like a intellectual standpoint or from a, this is my reading of a film standpoint, like a more right. kind of academic or critical perspective. I think people should have more, of a knowledge base and more of a skill oh, yeah. set to take that approach, versus someone just saying, "This was my experience of the film." As in, I watched this film. This was my takeaway. That's one thing. But then, if someone says, oh, yeah. "This is what I think the
1: film was saying," some people can be wildly off base <laughs> and wildly off base. I have re- critics in general. I do not trust mm. uh, because they add so much. um, they had so much subjectivity they had so much of their own feelings into it and i think that's the wrong way of mm-hmm. being critical if you're if you're writing a, a don't don't tell me that a movie is good or bad based on how you perceived it tell me it's good or bad based on technical merits yes um you know that kind of stuff don't don't tell me you're subjective opinion because that's really all it is is an opinion about what this movie is or isn't and that's like don't get me wrong i i do I, I do read some critics and stuff like that that i enjoy but overall i try not to read critics at all because of that very fact i've read them for years you know years ago uh, i used to subscribe to entertainment weekly for a number of years mm-hmm. and the every time i would read reviews about movies that i enjoyed and they just trashed i'm just like what movie were you watching mm-hmm. like and that's why i will never be a, crit- a critic because i don't even necessarily have the skill set to break that stuff down in a way that i feel is comfortable i like giving my opinions about a movie yeah so i will always be more of a like an armchair critic i guess and just <laughs> and that's why i have my podcast you know so yeah. i can talk <laughs> about the movies that i enjoy or don't enjoy and you know nobody's gonna sit there and go oh well you know whatever yeah (laughs) I don't have a right I'm not rotten tomatoes approved (laughs) (laughs)
0: exactly but no I I like that because again there is like and I 100% agree when it comes to critics I think a critic who's like doing an official review for like say some form of like you know media like a journalistic critic you know that approach you know their review should always be from how did the film do you know fail or succeed from a technical basis from like right the directing basis cinematography all that stuff all the stuff that comes into making a film how did the film Absolutely. do For, whereas th- those same critics if they had like a personal takeaway from what they felt about the film like as in on a you know just as a human rem- separate from the technical aspects that's separate and I don't think that should come into a critics review but they can say that on their Twitter hot takes if they want once there's
1: and I'm perfectly fine with them saying that on their review but they need to qualify that in the review is Mm -hmm. here's all the technical reasons why I liked it or didn't like it here's my separate personal opinion about a movie on why I did like it or didn't like it you know there's there's no reason you can do both but make sure qualifying. that it's separate like like that yeah don't yeah. don't tell me that this is good or bad you know on your personal opinion solely or whatever and you know d- d- try to say that this is the reason or, or whatever couch it in that way but exactly yeah. and
0: i and i think as well like and you know this uh kind of like can overlap with one of the questions that i um had written as well but like for me like i think a lot of people like mix up or they won't it's almost like they're they don't want to own up to the fact that their love or enjoyment from a film doesn't actually have anything to do with how well a film is made. Like, Absolutely. I think yeah. a lot of people don't want to own up to that. Like they, you know, they'll try and say, oh, you know, I love this film and they'll try and say it because of the what the director did in this scene. You know, they'll try and like kind of use the technical aspects to defend. It's almost like a guilty pleasure thing. They'll try and right. use yeah. the technical aspects to defend their love for a film rather than just saying yeah no the film is like not well made but i still (laughs) love it because of a certain actor or because it was humor you know there could be any other element but it's like almost like it's like some people are afraid to say that they like bad movies (laughs) and yeah i just find i find that really interesting but i think it overlaps with and i want to know your perspective on this because as you said you're someone who kind of like Grew up in that era of, like, you know, the 80s horrors yeah. and stuff like that. But to me, at least online anyway, there seems to be like a certain, like, to, I feel like it's a vocal minority, but because mm-hmm. it's Twitter, it feels louder. But it feels like there is this kind of subset of horror fan that like bemoans the state of modern horror. Yeah, exactly. Fan in quotation marks, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, really, if you're, but like it's like they kind of think that there's no such thing as good horror movies being made anymore like like they're not made like they used to be and you know the horror films that i grew up with and stuff like that right. and i want to know where where do you think that attitude stems from like for me i think before you jump in like yeah, yeah. for ahead. me i think you know i guess it depends on the film they're bemoaning or criticizing but right. i think a lot of that attitude probably stems from the fact that there's a lot of these horror movies and the main character isn't a straight white man and I don't see myself anymore (laughs) and therefore it's not good (laughs) and that's what I think but then I'm coming with you know my opinion comes from a very queer you know, perspective so I want to know what you think where do you think that kind of attitude comes from like do you think that it's genuine that they genuinely think there isn't good horror being made anymore or do you think like is it maybe, I don't know, they've got like the rose-tinted nostalgia glasses on. Like, what do you think?
1: Well, as a straight white male, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. I think that there's there's a, there's there's a portion of the people who complain about that that are definitely coming from that uh, perspective where they're like, oh, well, I'm not seeing myself in movies. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's a hundred plus years <laughs> of movies that are all about you. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> but uh, I believe that these are the same people who complain like you said they're complaining about um they they they're the same people who complain about there's no new horror movies uh mm-hmm. when there's literally <laughs> new horror movies coming out every week yeah, there's more uh, horror being made now shutter, than it feels like there ever subscriptions. <laughs> yeah i th- I feel like we're in a golden like a golden mm-hmm. age of horror movies uh because of streaming services I mean we now have two major one major kind of one mini um uh streaming service uh in shutter and Screenbox, that are just for horror fans Mm -hmm. and and i who would have thought that there would ever be something like that uh so it's and there and there's other smaller things too i know there's full moon features and stuff like that that's just all about full moon um but there's lots of there's lots of horror out there there's new stuff coming out every week um so I just I believe that there's a certain rose colored glasses mentality for sure. There's always going to be those people who are it's I'm I'm a huge comic book uh, reader yeah. and uh, you see it in the comic book world, too, is there's a lot of people who grew up uh, from my generation and earlier who are just like, oh, they don't make comics like they used to. I'm like, they literally are making the same comics <laughs> they used to. It's literally <laughs> the same stories over and over again. And we now have tons of other comics that aren't just superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have lots of different perspectives and lots of different stuff going on. And I think that's by and large what's happening is that you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of stuff like that. That's not from their perspective. It's that, like, cause I'm sorry, but the stuff that they grew up on in the eighties and nineties was sh- crap. Like there's a lot of crap out there. The video stores were full of junk that they were just pushing that had great covers that were literal crap and i and you can like it again yeah. this goes back into you can like it all you want even though it's garbage own up to yourself that you're like it because it's garbage yeah. but it's still garbage um and but i don't think that there's anyone like i see people all the time who are like some people are like uh, uh was it tara ansley she's the publisher of uh uh, Fangoria now, yes. she said that recently. And, um, you know, people need to get out of that eighties mentality. And like somebody else was like, yeah, that's true. Cause the seventies were better. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're <laughs> freaking defeating the point. Um, you've got to get out, to out of the seventies mentality. Right? Yeah. Move forward. There's so many good things coming out. I arguably like more new horror movies than I like old horror movies. I've got plenty of old horror movies that I enjoy, but I love what's coming out now. There's so many good things that are coming out in the last 20 years mm-hmm. that are arguably better than the stuff that came out before then. And anybody can fight me about that. Cause I think that some of the stuff, some of the stuff that people hold up as some of the best stuff, uh is to me, to me, in my own personal opinion, is garbage. Or <laughs> not garbage, but it's just not up it, to the storytelling that we have these days. <clears throat> storytelling has become more sophisticated and better and more nuanced and stuff that i feel like we're getting not that it wasn't then too because we did have that but i just feel like there's better ways of telling story now 100%
0: and i think it also like stems from the fact that you know like it's interesting because in some ways like you know if you take you know joseph campbell's like kind of concept of like you know the hero like as in yes. there's kind of like in his like kind of in his theory there's only kind of like 12 stories like there's right. no like that's literally it foundational level there's only kind of 12 stories that are just retold in different ways over and over again but I do think when we look at specifically like horror cinema and genre cinema you know the films that came out and say particularly like the kind of 60s through 70s that era of horror cinema like you know so much of that was like kind of like new stuff so these were the first time people were kind of getting these type of films and these type of stories and not that horror was new like there's been a horror films made since moving picture was invented like you know right. horror has always been there because Absolutely. that's what humans are always fascinated with but that type of era when you know when we have films that stand out as like the foundations of horror cinema. Like, you know, whether even going back earlier, the universal pictures, like, you know, the Frankensteins, the Draculas, the Mummy, and um, right. then going forward into the 70s and stuff like Texas Chainsaw, all these different types of things. Like, I feel like people were not as used to seeing those type of stories being told yeah. on screen. Right. Whereas now, you know, 50, 60 years later, as we've had more and more stories and more and more movies like people writers have to be more sophisticated to be able to make someone think that what they're being given is something new and fresh so i i definitely agree that i think what we're getting now is more interesting because of the fact that these writers have to like kind of both be like in some ways acknowledge where they're influences are and where they're coming from but also be right. like no no this is something for the new generation and stuff like that so i think yeah i i i'd imagine kind of like being like a genre writer in this era is like both really fresh and exciting but also like really challenging to kind of be like yeah. how do we stand out as something that's not mimicking what's come before us like you know mm-hmm. how do we make this film and Someone's first response isn't like, "Oh, that's like X film from the seventies or from the eighties and stuff like
1: that." Well, and they do that anyway. I mean, and 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 that's the unfortunate part of it is, as much as we do have the sophistication of story and stuff that 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 people are trying to do, is that we do have a lot of derivative work as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but sometimes that derivative work can be twisted in such a way that we can um, get something somewhat fresh uh take the movie x for example that is very much in a texas chainsaw massacre wheelhouse but takes a a different tack on that which to my mind we haven't seen very often we haven't seen the old person mm. as killer um type of situation we, we get it occasionally um but especially in that way that was an interesting yeah. i'm not going to spoil it for anybody um which i already kind of spoiled it but uh. um <laughs> uh, if you're yeah. listening to this you should have already seen x um but, <laughs> but see my my thing is too is i've recently and i've you know i've i've, I've even tweeted about it i i've watched five out of the nine texas chainsaw <laughs> massacre movies i'm not a fan um they just don't do anything for me um i'm not a big fan of hillbilly horror uh that's mm. the that's the major thing that's my major takeaway from it is just in general most movies that are kind of in that wheelhouse not a big fan of I didn't really like the hills have eyes um, you know, in anything in that, in, in that milieu. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I it's not my thing. They're okay. Movies. I I don't, I didn't think any of them were necessarily bad. I just, they're not my thing. And so, but to take something in that setting and then to twist it in a way that works more for me mm-hmm. is, is, is better. And I think that's, what's more fun. Cause I, you know, even watching the, the newest version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out on uh, uh, Netflix earlier this year. Um, That was it was entertaining ish, um, but it's still like it's still the same. The problem that I, I, I have with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is it feels like they just keep redoing the same story over and over and over again. Um, And it doesn't work. Don't get me wrong with when it comes to Friday the 13th. I'm all in for the same dumb <laughs> shit every fucking time. But I don't know why that one works more for me and the other one doesn't. But it just does. Yeah, and so well, I think like it, yeah. it's just funny.
0: No, I, th- I I totally get what you mean, and like I think at least from my perspective as like a viewer, I think at least with the Friday Thirteenth movies, Jason is a consistent villain. Like you know, yeah. you're getting you know what you're getting with Jason in every film. Yeah. Like sometimes there might be subtle differences depending on which film, but otherwise Jason is Jason. And um, but yeah. I think with the Texas Chainsaw films, Leatherface is not really pin downable like Leatherface kind of changes it's not
1: just him it's always about the family yeah it's
0: the family as well like so it isn't just Leatherface so yeah it's more complex but yeah I definitely think like (laughs) like I had great fun with the new Texas Chainsaw, just because it was ridiculous. Like it was terrible. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I thought it. it was alright. Yeah. yeah, like the bus scene. Will like I laugh oh, yeah. every time because it's ridiculous and it finally does dil- hilarious. Yeah, it finally. I loved it. <laughs> You're cancelled, bro. <laughs> I- You're cancelled, bro. <laughs> yes, perfect. <Mwah. laughs> but um, yes, I think one with the Texas Chainsaw as a franchise as a whole, I think like what almost like shoots itself in the foot is the first film. Is so visceral and so just like I don't know, you can feel the sweat coming out of that film. Like, it just has this whatever way Toby Hooper made that film, it just has this
1: kind of there's some great shots in it. I'll I'll admit that there's some great filmography, like cinematography in that. It's 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 very well shot, uh, for sure. Yeah,
0: and I, I think, like, um, from like I think it's in a way so many people have this weird reaction to it going, it's the goriest, scariest film of all time, but it's not, it doesn't have it. Like that's what I mean though. But people have this idea that it is because there's so many scenes where you like the scene where the girl is put on the meat hook, they don't show anything, but people imagine it. So therefore it has this reputation. And I think the Texas Chainsaw franchise then is trying to live up to that invented reputation which it can't because it's not a real reputation. So it's a weird trying to live up to this phantom that doesn't exist. And it's yeah, it's really fascinating, those but yeah, the franchise is not a good horror franchise.
1: No, <laughs> at all. No, I was like, uh like I think I think number two is 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 careening into something that could have been good. Mm. I think that they needed to have that absurdity to it that would make it work a lot better for me for me um so but on its face just the sweaty grimy backwoods like stuff of it all just does not work for me as a whole so
0: yeah no I totally get that I think like that whole kind of exploitation hillbilly horror like as North America's kind of response to kind of British folk horror it's the same thing so some people folk horror just doesn't do it for them like i think those two genres like overlap in certain ways in that someone has to really be a fan of that genre in order for it to work because you're not getting what you expect in other types of horror films because they're usually subverting a lot of stuff but as a kind of like closing off topic
1: yeah
0: i want to know uh because this is something that always interests me as well but like what are your personal kind of like Favorite subgenres of horror, but more in particular, why are they particular, like favorite genre subgenres? Like, as in, you know, what is it that you look for or get from that subgenre that you're a fan of or enjoy?
1: Right. Um, I, my, my top one, of course, is, uh, going to be horror comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a good, cause horror and comedy have this natural, um, Connection in a mm-hmm. way that, uh, because, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's the punchline or the kill, you know, it's this, this tension building up to one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can mix them really well, um, it succeeds. And I'm not one of those ones that's got to be like, oh, well, they've got to be in an even mix or something like that. Now, don't get me wrong. Spoofs. I'm not a big fan of spoofs like the scary mm-hmm. movie movies. Not a big fan of those. Um, but something like, um uh the evil dead movies or i'm a big fan of the evil dead movies uh the uh Shaun of the dead tucker and dale versus oh, evil yes. uh the the one rare uh, hillbilly horror i love <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh that that one is great uh because it subverts expectations yeah exactly um, and then uh so i think that when it's done really well uh it 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 it, it succeeds on a level for me more than um, anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, and I, it's gotta be, it can't be, I, I like, don't get me wrong, there's movies that are, that have humor in them, but I don't consider most horror movies horror comedies, even if they've just got some horror in them. Now, I will consider Scream a horror comedy um, in a way because it, it's pretty balanced in that. I feel like it's m- much more horror in a De- way, in like, comedy,
0: um, but there's
1: enough comedy in it to keep you going, and especially throughout the whole series when we get Scream 3, which I love. People can suck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Scream 3 is one of my favorites because they actually amped up the comedy even more in that to a degree because it, they they were getting so meta with it that mm. I think they needed to bring in the comedy and plus the scary movies had already come out. And so it was kind of almost a reaction to that in a way um, just to show, look, we can be funny too, you know, and still be scary. And yeah. so, you know, I, I yeah, feel like it's interesting that you mentioned that because
0: like, I definitely think the scary movie films like are hugely mm-hmm. responsible for why scream like, it took so long for another scream movie to come out oh, because yeah. so many people associated ghost face with What's up? <laughs> and scary yeah. movie. And I was just like, that just killed that franchise. Oh, it for just
1: killed... Yeah.
0: And I think it's another reason like, it's interesting that you say that you would like kind of possibly kind of classify scream under the kind of horror comedy umbrella. Cause like, for me, it's very much just a, it's a horror film, but it's spring. It's punctuated with humor but it's very much a horror film, like as in if you stripped away those jokes, it's a horror film through and through, whereas certain horror comedies, you know, it's more comedy as in if you stripped right. away the horror. Oh, yeah, it's, that's all it is at the end of the day. But then you get the ones that, as you said, balance it perfectly. Like Shaun of the Dead works both as a horror and a comedy. Tucker and Dale the same, like some oh. certain films like that are that just and I think Cabin in the Woods is another one.
1: Cabin like, in the Woods, yeah, I was like, just about to say that.
0: I'd say that's more satirical horror, but that falls under that wheelhouse of horror comedy because it's yeah. just punctuated perfectly.
1: But yeah, yeah, no, I think it's that one relies just as much as Scream does on the meta textualness yes. of, of of the of knowing the genre. You have to know the genre to get the jokes. Yes, so. exactly.
0: And yeah. oh, I just adore that film. Um, oh, we. Yeah joss whedon eh not really Nah, nah, (laughs) no he's
1: cancelled man yeah
0: but the film yes (laughs)
1: Um, but uh, he's he's totally (laughs) cancelled but
0: i just uh i love um like i think yeah horror comedy is one of those genres that when they get it right Mm -hmm. chef's kiss but it's so hard oh man it's so hard like there's a lot more horror comedies that don't get it right than do oh
1: yeah
0: like as in i watched one the other day which is very much a horror comedy i had, it was entertaining i had fun with it but was it really successful as a horror comedy i don't know but it was called Bloodfest. it was interesting it was like it was basically I'm the whole it's on i watched it on amazon prime over here in ireland anyway but essentially okay. the concept is that almost like what's happening in the uk now fright fest there's this big horror festival which it, tur- oh. it turns out the festival is being turned into like literally murdering murdering people but like <laughs> it's actually good fun certain like and it kind of like again it's very referential to multiple genres because they have like different almost like escape rooms and stuff like that which are different right. horror genres yeah, yeah it's interesting yeah. but uh that's
1: cool that's cool
0: it's a it's a like you know yeah
1: it's not- a good concept but maybe not yeah. accomplished very well yeah that, I think that's, that's a, sounds like
0: that's a good way to nail it um, and yeah. yeah is there any other kind of show genres that you kind of return to or uh,
1: i kind of like i kind of like everything don't get mm-hmm. me wrong i like I, I you know i like a good mixture of things um but i'd say probably slashers um i'm not and again it just depends it's not the whole genre i like because there's a lot of terrible oh, terrible yeah. slashers um <laughs> especially in the wake of friday the 13th and the halloween you know they are just it's not it's the law of diminishing returns the more you have out there the the, the lesser they're going to get mm-hmm. um but there's there's there are a lot of great ones too and i like all the big stuff i like uh, you know um i appreciate the halloween s- series i have most of the movies i wouldn't say i love the series um i like it's, certain it's a very aspects hit of it in this
0: series there's oh it's very hit yeah. In this series, yeah <laughs>
1: Friday the thirteenth is more successful for me. Uh, again, even that's still hit or miss. Um of course the Scream franchise, uh the Chucky series. I I actually ah, yes. uh, really like the Chucky series. It's so consistent. That's what it um, is. Yep. I love and it. And it like between Chucky and Scream, they are the most consistent um horror franchises like that I can think of above anything else. Uh they just they have a level of consistency that just rivals anybody else nobody compares to them um and in nightmare on elm street i re- the funny thing is is i loved nightmare on elm street movies when i was a kid in the 80s who didn't because he was omnipresent um but uh i haven't watched very many of them in recent years i bought the 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 full seven movie set mm. uh when i was getting into horror uh, a few years back and was just grabbing everything. And I think I've watched up to number three um, before I just kind of petered out. Uh, and I think that's mostly largely because I did watch them all like as a kid and mm-hmm. you, you, just Freddie looms so large as a figure that it's just, uh, I need to go back and still rewatch them all again. But, uh, but yeah, they just, when the slashers work, um, and you can have a you know, really good one-offs mm-hmm. um that that work really well and there's a lot of you know so bad they're good kind of ones here and there too but uh you know n- none as memorable as those and so in large part you know you have these you know, larger than life slashers that's why they still command so much attention i just saw one of those goofy videos where all the <laughs> You know, the main slashers are all dancing or doing something. This one was they were all visiting the uh, the spirit Halloween store, and, uh, <laughs> and I was just like, it was fun too, because it was like it was Freddie, it was Jason, it was Michael, it was Leatherface, uh, Ghostface, and uh, Chucky. And so, you know, just like, and it's the big guys, you know, you just think, you know, the, and, and I love that Ghostface is considered to be part of that group now. You know, he's, he's part of the latter day, you know, latter day slasher, but you know. I'd love to see a really good slasher franchise come back. I haven't seen anything that's been really good since Scream. So
0: yeah. Cause like, um, yeah. Cause like, well, I was like, I loved Scream five. I thought it was like, Oh, it is, I loved it, it too. spoke to me it was just like yes yeah. there is um but then also, i don't
1: understand they hate kids
0: yeah I, I i think just People yeah are weird yeah exactly <laughs> but then on the flip side we also have the chucky tv series so i love how scream oh, and I chucky are just and we got yes. Chucky season two coming but actually that yes. actually is a really interesting point um which is a tie back to something you were kind of saying earlier and then i'll close it out with one last question okay. but um <laughs> yeah I just love these conversations I can keep them going for so long oh yeah I have to remember that no no if I want people (laughs) to listen it has to last a certain amount of time (laughs) but
1: Hmm. um... that's why that's why why I don't have the listenership is I don't I don't cut my I don't cut (laughs) anything down I'm like Okay, we're going two hours long, that's what we're doing. <laughs> hey, some people it works for some well sure. Mike Munzer, yeah, Evolution
0: know. of Horror, those episodes are usually two hours long. And anyway oh, man, tangent, yeah. but I love those. Sorry, go ahead. And, but <laughs> no, my point, um, which I'm glad that you brought in Chucky as being a consistent franchise, but you were saying earlier when I was talking about like, you know, the concept of like, you know, the creator, the author, the filmmaker, what yes. they're putting into something they're making, as in like their intent in making something that sometimes they're not aware necessarily of what they're bringing to something that they're putting out in the world. They might have an attempt, but then there's also stuff that's influencing them, et cetera. What right. I love is like Chucky is so consistent because Don Mancini, the one person has mm-hmm. been the creative force from, child's play through to the series now obviously the first kind of few child's play films he was just the writer and not the director so it's interesting to see when he kind of took control it definitely got more blatantly queer whereas beforehand it was a lot more sub. you know in the subtext but it's interesting when you listen to kind of him talk about interviews like he says that it was never his intention to kind of like be making a queer kind of story like you know something that has queer like queerness embedded in the story but then he's like, you know talks about how the fact that he is a gay man he can't sw- switch that off so of course yeah. it's going to be imbued in what he writes and what he creates so I just love how Absolutely. I do think there is a like circling back to the kind of concept of creator and what they're responsible for and stuff like that I do think that a lot of times creators not I don't necessarily are aware of what they're actually inputting into a story. Yeah. So there might be something on the surface that this is what they're doing, but in the subtext below it, there's something that they're not even aware of that they're putting down on the paper that people are picking up on. Mm-hmm. So as in right. that's why, like you're saying, when you were listening to that Kingcast episode, you know yeah. that Brian Fuller was able to have this trans queer reading is because sometimes there can be things that are put into stories that people you know the creator isn't aware of but someone right. who is coming from a different perspective can pick up on it they can see those kind of underlying threads and um, but yeah that's just a, I would just like that you brought up Chucky because I love that franchise and I think oh, that, yeah I think that overlaps well with that kind of concept of is it a filmmaker you know aware or accountable for what they're putting out because sometimes they don't even know what they're putting out. <laughs> it's just
1: right you know it's you know well, and i like that you know, some of the yeah and i like that some of the major franchises that we have um you know um and, and just it, it not just major franchises but we, you know the screen uh the the what three of the four original screen movies were written by kevin williamson and Al gay mm-hmm. man and uh, Don Mancini, who did the, the, the Chucky series. Like you said, you know, we have major characters, major franchises being done by, uh, uh, queer people. Um, and I think that's awesome. Like the Happy Death Day movies directed by Christopher Landon, who's an out gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I also did Freaky with, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on his name now. Um, but uh, it was two yes. gay men.
0: Michael. Yeah um i follow him on twitter i know exactly who it is yeah, it's michael too. but i can't remember his surname but yes and i loved yeah. freaky it so, was
1: so good uh, yeah freaky was so good <laughs> and uh, happy death day movies are some of my favorite movies and so i love that we we are having this um shit not i wouldn't say shit, but we're we're having this ability to and i think that's what makes horror uh also really great is that horror is um you know people say horror is inherently queer um and i do believe that there is 100% an aspect of that to it that horror has always been about uh the 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 per- the, the people who uh feel persecuted the people mm-hmm. who uh, uh have, don't have a voice Yeah, the outsiders, the people who don't have a voice. And so they use their voice in horror because they're not able to use it anywhere else. And they're able to. And again, this goes back to what I said about pushing boundaries. Mm -hmm. What good horror does is push boundaries. It's not about being scary. It's about pushing those boundaries and to have um, queer perspectives and queer people bringing that consistently to horror um, throughout horror's history. Um, going back to James Whale in you know the yep. the 1930s uh Universal movies, you you have this great wealth of experiences that that's what drives me crazy about going back to those people who are like, you know, this this the straight white male mentality of I don't I don't like this stuff. Fuck you. It's not for you. Get the hell out. Let the rest of us enjoy this because, you know, whether or not I like, so like there's some movies that I like, you know, queer movies that I will definitely enjoy. There's other ones that I'm just like, okay, it's it's not for me, but that's the same with the straight movies. Mm-hmm. Like, so, but I I will take each movie with its own merits and, and enjoy them for whatever they are. And so that is great for me because I get to experience other perspectives that i don't have i will never have that as that perspective and so and it's the same thing with people of color like i love watching movies with you know uh casts with uh people of color and you know the new um predator movie prey mm. uh, that was fantastic <sighs> you know and people are bitching oh a girl could do that fuck you you know yeah. you're she, being she, both she racist your ass and you know first. oh my god <laughs> so racist and sexist and misogynistic it's like shut up sit down this movie's not for you then. Go back, watch your macho you new know, predator movie, and let the rest of us yep. enjoy what we want to enjoy. And also, so, so, yeah, i
0: go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, circling back to what you were saying earlier about how people can have terrible misreads of films. Oh, terrible. Those film bros who are all shitting on prey are just like, Did did you understand what the point of the first predator film was? It was the right? whole point of that this being toxic and macho masculine is not conducive to surviving. What's what's conducive to actually him surviving is not doing that and, you know, using his brain and, you know, hiding.
1: hiding. He had to hide (laughs) and to use his brain to survive. It wasn't about being the strongest person. Like, sure, the strongest person survived, but it wasn't because he was strong. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Exactly. He
1: died. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> and
0: everyone else died because they were macho and men and didn't work exactly. together. <laughs> like, come on. Uh anyway, that could be another tangent. <laughs> <laughs> there could be so many of these. But so, so as many. a lo- oh I know. I love this com these conversations so much, they just give me joy. Um so I'm so happy that to- I've had so many people come on and say, yes, I'll talk to you about why are yeah. it's been so fun. Um, but last kind of closing question, and then I'll let you go <laughs> to enjoy the rest of your day. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of already have an idea of like one or two films that will probably crop up in this. But if you're having like a bad day, bad week, what are your comfort film, your horror films, your go-to, these are the horror films I'm going to throw on. Cause I know I'm going to have a good time with it.
1: Um, definitely the happy death day movies. Um, you know especially the first one uh mm-hmm. that one's it was just you know just a fun just light and breezy kind of mind fuck cuz i i love the groundhog dayness of it but that you know to do that she has to literally get killed um and uh i love tucker and dale versus evil of course mm-hmm. that one's you know i like stuff that's generally pretty light and and, and easy just to throw on but i'll throw you a curveball here midsummer Mm. Um, midsummer is a favorite movie of mine <laughs> yeah big curveball um midsummer is a, a a huge favorite of mine uh i don't know why uh it just is it, it's it's just for some reason just spoke to me on a weird level that uh
0: oh it's uh, well it's a fantastic like, i love oh, that film it's fabulous and i just like again i'm just like there's certain like actors and that i'm just like just put them in every movie and I will watch yeah. it. Like, so Florence Pugh, like she um, can do no wrong. Like she's just yeah. fantastic. Like she's one of the best genre actors out there at the moment. But yeah. also, she's I would just... love
1: to see her in more horror.
0: Yes. Yeah. And she's also just a delightful human to follow on like yeah. Instagram and Twitter and stuff yeah. like that. Because she's just so lovely. And I'm just like, please just be in everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, Absolutely.
0: Midsummer oh, What a film.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of my favorites and it's, it's high up there on, uh, just anytime I, anytime I need something like that, just pop that in or pull it up and watch it. So
0: amazing. Um, but yeah, and I'd imagine as well, I'd say the evil dead films might fall under the comfort rewatches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, The problem with those is I've watched them so many times now (laughs) that it's just, They don't I have to space them out to get a a better (laughs) impact on those now Uh, that I find that that's so funny, too, because, uh, you know, the early I guess my early 20s or something like that, that, you know, we would watch a lot of movies. Uh, And so, you know, we would rewatch I would rewatch a lot of movies and over and over and over again. So there's some movies that I've seen so many times that I just I have no desire to watch again for a while. Not that I don't like them, but I've watched them so much now that you need to allow I, time for
0: I, it to breathe.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that and for me, it's like my I I don't have good memory. So, you know, it's nice when I can give it enough time, because I'll forget not everything, but I'll forget large parts of movies just mm-hmm. and then when I'm watching I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great part. Um so it's always <laughs> I'm trying to do this now where cuz i'm still trying to catch up on my enormous never ending watch list of movies i've never seen mm-hmm. and so i try not to go back to a lot of movies uh so i'm just trying to watch newer things rather than falling back on the old stuff but you know uh, i i tend to i comfort movies i will say i i tend to watch stuff that's not horror uh more oh, okay. action or comedies and nice. stuff like that so
0: yeah Yeah, no nice um i like that we all have those films that we'll turn to because we know we'll have a good time with it on those like (laughs) on those darker days like put on a film that you know you'll have a fun time with but yeah i think i'd have like a rotating list of like comfort horror films but then there's also like comfort disney films comfort superhero films like they're all the ones that i can just put it on and i'll have a good time absolutely but but no um, thank you so much for coming on again and thank you for having me diving into this these fun topics with me but before I let you go once again kind of where can people like find your podcast find your kind of you know horror geeky associated work and then just you know follow you on the socials
1: yeah yeah Uh, Well, uh, again, my podcast is Creepy and Geeky. Uh, You can find that at creepyandgeeky.com. That really just leads to my link tree, which then links to everywhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that has all my socials, uh, all the socials for the podcast on it. Uh, You can find me at geekthulu.com. And that's uh, where my other link tree is for all of my other socials. So Mm -hmm. it's a. Yeah, I try to make it nice and easy for everybody.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Well, no, well, thanks again so much for coming on. And to my listeners, keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next episode that will drop as I continue my exploration into why horror.